Hello and welcome to the Comics Pals. It is Saturday morning. You know what that means. It's the start of March. Yep, you haven't done uh, one of those openings in a while, Sean. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's God's month or God's hour. Ten fifteen a.m. This month, yeah, dude got too much already. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. If you buy in, he got it all right. Sure, that's the that's idea. True. So I, I gotta tell you, that's been my struggle lately. I'm not saying I want all of it. I man, I need a little. <laughs> the only time I'm buying is when the the turbulence starts going on a flight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Hey, what's Atheism goes right out the door. Every, yeah, everybody's a Christian. <laughs> you know what? I guess so. I guess like if it if if it was the end for me, you know, my final moments. It's you know, a, I'm it's like, a human thing. What's it hurt? Ex- exactly, like. <laughs> Your ego. Does it, does it really matter now whether yeah. I'm right or wrong? Like, let me just let me just err on the side of caution with this one. <laughs> is that what let religion me, is? Just erring on the side good. of caution? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Good to know. Yes, I I say as as the the non-religious one. That's that's absolutely what it is. Whoa! I just opened YouTube. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed today. We have. First of all, three out of four pals on episode three, three, three. I don't yes. know if you noticed. Yes. Okay. So that's good. I didn't even catch that. We're halfway yeah. to hell. Um, <laughs> some of us closer than half. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it means, hey, Marco. I'm just oh, kidding. Fair, fair. Um, <laughs> Speaking of turbulence. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Godspeed. <laughs> Marco Marco uh is is on his way back to uh good old US of A so he will not be joining us today but of course we do have Kale What's up hot dogs Tyler's here dip 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 well <laughs> I don't even know what I just heard uh Kale, and I'm Kale Sean okay well yeah I that I guess yeah that's uh-huh. I get the wrestling jokes Kale gets the random like noises mm-hmm. um <laughs> Sean's not a Sean and Ah fan, apparently, so it's fine. What did you just say? Sean and Ah? Not a big fan of Sean and Ah? Never mind. Never mind. It's a different, it's a different podcast go. bit. We don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you're if you're watching live, uh, hit that hit that like button. Make sure to you know do that bump. Hit the follow button if you're watching on Twitch. We've got a big show for you guys. There, there's uh not a lot of comics news to talk about necessarily this was a light week in the industry i think i think we're on cool down we had comics pro uh last week so i think a lot of internationals are settling back in and the news this week not too much to it we're gonna be talking the return of a of a would you guys say cult hit or would you rise it above cult hit battle chasers the fact that it's a, a, a friend of the show, Matthew Murphy, a, a favorite, it's a cult. Got to okay. be a cult. Yeah. I, I would have said that, but I, then the legions of random Battle Chasers fans who've been waiting for this announcement for 20 plus years <laughs> come out the woodwork and say, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, when you're in a cult, it's never a cult. That's true. Because everyone around you is also in it. So to you, it's, yeah. it's it is what it is. It's normal. So we're going to be talking about the return of Battle Chasers, if you can believe that. I can hardly believe it. 
we're going to be talking about Marvel launching a new imprint, mm. which is almost equally a shock. It is, yeah. Is it? I think so. We'll, we'll get to almost. That. Okay. All right. And in our main topic today, which is something that I've been looking forward to for a long time, I cannot wait to have this conversation. We're going to be talking about one of the pieces, the most interesting pieces of lost media, if you will, of all time in comics. Arguably the greatest superhero story never told. We're going to be talking about Alan Moore's Twilight of the Superheroes in our main topic today. Think 5G. That's how we're going to be breaking it down. Think 5G. So stay tuned for that. Where's my, hold on. Hold on. Oh, work? you still have it? Yeah, I think it did. <laughs> 5G, all the studies, LA Times causes massive mutation and cancer. <laughs> it sounded like the opening to uh, Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh, Twin Peaks music is great. I wasn't sure what exactly that was at first, but then once I heard the voice of Alex Jones, I felt yeah. Secure. It's the animated yeah. Batman animated series theme. That's what it is. Well, is that what that was? I yeah. couldn't hear. I, it. We can't hear it. Yeah, we can't yeah. hear it as well as the listeners hopefully can. But uh, yeah, so as I mentioned, big stuff to talk about, and right up front. I don't want to waste anybody's time. We promised last week on the show. We promised a major announcement. Quit. There it is. And <laughs> um, we're done. Yep. Just a toy show now. Listen, actually, it'd be fun. <laughs> that could be fun if you want. And apparently, people watch that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyler's been and, posting toy reviews, and uh, people are enjoying it. Even between the three of us, we could do it easy. I think so. We probably each have a, uh, yeah, a well, deep history with uh, action yeah. figures. If you well, will. I say toy show because Marco will get his own separate ty- type of show with toys. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> For the OnlyFans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jesus. How's everybody doing this morning, by the way? Hopefully, everybody's doing all right. Uh, got your... Uh, Got your cup of Joe, your cup of kale. Oh, I have your this, comics pals cup. This cup of Joe here. Yeah. Tyler and I drinking from our, our comics pals cups. Tyler, what you sipping on? Uh Fofos. Oh no, that's tipping on. Never mind. Uh that's <laughs> I knew you were drinking too. <laughs> I'm actually so I'm not drinking anything in my in my mug right now. I'm a... I mean, uh, it, it's cold enough that I'm drinking iced coffee, so that's what I'm drinking. It's, basically, it's a stunt mug. Stunt mug, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. But that's not actually the announcement. We'll save that for a moment. Um, we'll talk more about our mugs <laughs> a little later. But as I said, we do have a major announcement to make. And one thing that we don't do on this show is we don't do the hyperboles. All right? No, no. If we say there's an announcement, all right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We guarantee that it will be big. And so to help us make the announcement, Tyler, take it away. There it is. There it is. The return of Jeff Johns. Oh, huh. 
We should have thought about that a little. Uh, the first question we got, not an April, April Fool's joke, right? It is. I knew that would happen. That's just the oh, timing of it. Yeah. It is not an April Fool's joke. It's there's. It's not an alarm. This is real. Jeff Johns will be returning to the Comics Pals Saturday, April 1st. Or if you read my writing, uh, April 1st, uh, I'll fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that as it slowly just ran into my face. Purple so. first. And it will be at 1 p.m. Eastern. So mark your calendars now for that change in time. We're going to live at 1 p.m. Eastern on April 1st to accommodate Jeff Johns, who does the show from L.A. So he, he, he shouldn't be having to wake up at 6 a.m. to do the comics, pals. Yep. I mean, neither should I, but here we are. Jeff Johns got up at 6 a.m. to do the comics, pals. I think he got up earlier. The dude had to go all the way to the studios. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> he probably doesn't even wake up at that time to, I don't know, take his kids to school. But he showed up here for us. And he's doing it again April 1st. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. Obviously, if you heard our first interview with Jeff Johns, then you know that it was jam-packed. We had so many questions. You all had so many questions. And Jeff gave us his time. He was very gracious. And we're excited to do it again. But we're going to do it a little differently this time. Because that's not the only thing that's going to be happening that day. No. We have the Jeff Johns Geiger giveaway. Ooh, alliteration. Yes, I love alliteration. It's one of my favorite things in the world. I love alliteration. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, so so we're gonna be we're gonna be doing a giveaway. And what we're gonna give away is a copy, a physical copy of Geiger, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, and Brad Anderson's Geiger. And this is the way that it's going to work. It's going to be very simple. The giveaway is going to last from today. Today, the 4th of March to the 31st of March. So you got a lot of time. You got basically the whole month of March to enter. Here are the rules. And here are the requirements. One, you have to be subscribed to the Comics Pals on YouTube. And you got to be a follower on Twitch. Both of those things are free to do. We are not asking you to subscribe to us on Twitch for money. Just the free follow will do. Of course, if you wanted to subscribe, you could even do that with your Amazon uh, Prime, your Twitch Prime. That suffices. Patrons will get two additional entries. If you enter as a patron, and we know you're a pa- you're on our Patreon page, that will count for two additional entries. Send in a question or comment for Jeff Johns. The best way to reach us for this is by email, thecomicspals at gmail.com. Yeah. But a Twitter DM will do, hitting us up on Discord. The comments of the YouTube section will do. All that works. We keep, we keep of, track of all of it. Yes, we will keep track of all that. We're going to add the name of every single commenter who is also a YouTube subscriber or a Twitch follower into a randomizer. The day of the interview, we will announce the winner live. The winner 
has to reach out to us to confirm, and we will get a copy of the Geiger trade sent their way. That's it. That's all you have to do. Very simple. That's not you don't so have hard. to. Yeah, yeah. You don't even have to have the best question. Frankly, <laughs> your question might not even get read. That's not the point. What is the best question? <laughs> <laughs> well, the best question is the one I ask. The um, best question is. Can can Kevin or can Jeff Johns facilitate me getting five minutes with Feige? That's the best question. The uh, best guys, answer is yes. I will post all these rules on the Twitter and Discord and all that stuff. Just so you yeah. Have it. yeah, absolutely. You guys will, will this be U.S. only? Yeah, <laughs> I think. Um, I think it probably has to be. Yeah, but. We can talk about that because I was figuring we would just order the book and send it to them directly, in which case oh, okay. that might not be so bad. So I think it, it's probably fine if people that are, aren't in the U.S. enter. Um, but I do want to, like, double think that. I think it should be okay, though. We'll put so, that in the final, the final uh, yeah. rules. Yeah. So that's that's what we got going on. I'm super, super, super excited. The Jeff Johns interview is one of my favorite moments, certainly in the show's history, and and a genuine highlight of my life. So can't wait to do it again. And from now, you don't have to enter today. Entering first doesn't increase your chances. The only thing that increases your chances of winning is being a member of Patreon. So think about your question. Think about what you want to say to Jeff Johns. We're obviously only going to actually ask the most... um, First of all, the appropriate questions. So, you know, be respectful. We're also going to ask the questions that we think are compelling, that John's probably doesn't hear all the time, um, and that, you know, tie into what we're what we're getting at. So we want your voice to be heard. We want our voice to be heard. So get those questions in and uh, do it before, do it on or before the 31st of March to make sure that you actually are eligible. But other than that, have at it. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. Can't wait. And uh, the other, Junkyard yeah, Joe will be done by then, too. So, yep. Full on retrospect. I, I was wishing, like, obviously that's not going to happen, but I wish the Junkyard Joe trade was out by that June, point. June, dude. I looked. It, oh, it, yeah. It's solicited for June. Yeah, birthday gift for us. There we go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, Dan says, I'm so happy he enjoyed the last conversation so much he wanted to come back. Clearly, like the rest of us here, he realized you guys are the best game in town. Thank you so much for saying that. That really means a lot. And you know what? I don't feel weird about saying that from what we were aware of. And of, of course, the fact that he's coming back, Jeff did have a good time. Yeah. Mm. Um, if you were, if you followed along, then you know that Jeff Johns doesn't really do many interviews at all. And up until that point, I think we were the only interview that he had done, at least that was that I could find on YouTube in at least a year, but it might have been more. And that, so, yeah, that was video for sure. I think he's done yeah. some like written stuff for like CBR and stuff. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, I, I should have I should clarify like the longer form podcast type of thing like this. Um, and then, of course, there were there would be a couple of interviews that would come out with other groups but certainly no one like i think um uh, uh what 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 are they called word balloon johnson yeah. tourists yeah 
Um, but it was groups like that that are larger and more, have more roots in the industry. So the fact that Jeff makes this a, you know, a stop, um, and it's not even a stop on a press tour. It's just, hey, you want to do the show? Oh, yeah, great. Let's do it. You know, So very, very excited about that. It's going to be cool. Um, but that's not all. We've got we've got other stuff. We got other stuff to talk to you guys about, as always. Do want to let you guys know how you can find and support the show. Patreon.com slash the comics pals is the absolute best way to do that. For as little as three dollars a month, you can support your boys, get access to some pretty cool content. We've got a newsletter that we post every single week, one from one of us every week. Um Marco put his out and he's not even here so marco getting it the work done on vacation somehow then, somehow i was talk about that i was vacation. impressed honestly yeah. yeah me too i, would I was like <laughs> you said what i would have i would have forgotten i would something would have happened the time dilation i don't know something would have happened he was yeah. very prompt tyler you're not giving yourself credit you would have had something prepared in advance oh that's true yeah you're right about that <laughs> right, you i like to think we all would have yeah. Well, no. we all we all would have had a different approach. My approach would be to not do anything the very very day that I have to leave, and then write the newsletter right before I have to leave. Tyler would make sure it was done in advance. Kale would just get it done. What it, it wouldn't really matter what it meant. He would just get it done. Kale and Marco leave. would just do it while he was gone. Yeah, Kale wouldn't leave. That's the thing. <laughs> Kale would leave. It's yeah, it's a combination of I would either just straight up leave the show because I have to do it or I would just not do it. <laughs> well, we, we we all have our different style. Um, so, you know, hang out with us on Patreon. We've got the newsletter. We've got you can uh, vote in the book club poll. We got the Twitter poll on on Twitter uh, for pals polls, but we've got the book club poll over on patreon uh the winner last of last month's poll was strange adventures which means that this tuesday the 7th of march you can listen to our strange adventures book club we had a lot of fun i think a great conversation about the book i thought a revealing conversation even so head on over to wherever it is you like to listen to us on march 7th it's out now if you're on our patreon page Uh, and check it out. That a listen and and read the book. I agree. Read the book. Tom King books got me acting strange. So <laughs> it got me acting strange. I almost wish we had done the book club after we finished Human Target because I definitely yeah. feel like Strange Adventures uh, no. colored my opinion of Human Target. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a kind of a serendipitous thing that those two things lined up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that and way. And then on Tuesday, Sean, the, the next poll will be up for the next book? Yeah. Okay. Yep, absolutely. We will have that up for you guys if you want to vote on Tuesday. Rock the vote. The... <laughs> Pokemon go to the polls. Chilling in Cedar Rapids. Is that a is that a real slogan, Kale, or Hillary Clinton said that. You yeah. don't remember? No. 2016, yeah. yeah. Yep. Pokemon, go to the polls. That's a loss for the election. <laughs> that is embarrassing. Wow. That's bad news. Had I known that, I might have made different decisions that year. 
Just kidding. I would hope not. Don't, don't want to even put that out there. It's just a joke. Um, <laughs> the other thing you get is your name, a, a superhero nickname or supervillain nickname, and a shout out on the show. Uh, so we do want to say thank you to these fine folks. Thunderstruck Rebecca Alejandro, the Night Stalker, Harris Najinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Random Rocio, Kefis the Incorruptible, the Great Destroyer, Hyper Viper 89, Momentum, Mike Elliott, Starcross, Catherine Stars, the Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound, Dan the Truth Trudeau, and Joel Justice. Thank you all so, so much for being tremendous um, supporters of the Comics Pals. Joel Justice sounds like like a very, very early WWE, like WWF Raw, like act, you know? <laughs> yeah, Joel that's Justice true. Justice versus the one, two, three kid, you know? <laughs> versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, no, that would never happen. That would never happen. Stone Cold will sing bums. Not that Joel Justice would be a bum, but or not that the real Joel Justice is a bum. Just the one that would appear on Raw would be because I don't think so. I think no? this would be like Ultimate Warrior style thing. Oh. I think it'd be super gimmicky sort of thing. You know, you might be right about that. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, so yeah. The other thing I wanted to uh, to oh well let me let me get through the plugs before I get, move on. Uh, Twitch and YouTube live every single Saturday at ten fifteen a.m. Eastern for this very show. Thursdays at six p.m. Eastern for Palace Pulls. That is our comics review show. Uh, this week we did review the aforementioned Human Target. We also talked about the listener pick winner. I am Iron Man number one, which was one of the most interesting books that I have read this year. Although I'm not sure how I feel about the actual quality of it overall. Um, but we read that in an, an assortment of other things. Definitely head on over to Twitter if you want to vote in the listener poll. And uh, join our Discord server. Everything else at the Comics Pals on social media. And uh, I wanted to give Tyler a moment to plug the uh, the toy reviews. Oh, yeah. I did, I did um, one for the Extremist Iron Man that went out. Um, and also Hasbro put out a fan stream that I did reactions for. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff announced there. Uh, there will be a, one for uh, the Orb coming out on Monday. So if you want to know what I think about this guy. Oh, that's that's, that's fun. Sure. I love that you have that figure. Orb. I talk about that. Yeah, I talk about that. That's, that's so cool. We We wanted to tell you guys something else. So... You've probably seen on the show at some point or another one of us with, you know, uh, a Comics Pals cup or, you know, uh, a, a T-shirt like I'm, I happen to be wearing right now. Uh, there's no planning, of course. I just happen to be wearing this. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, no. No, no, plan. no planning, of course. Yeah. Not today of all days. We're, we, we, we have these things, but we never really talk about how you can have these things. And... We've made some back-end changes to where we are very comfortable uh, announcing once again, talking about our merch store. Our so, new merch store. Our new, Yeah, our brand new merch store. Our new and improved merch store. And I just wanted to quickly talk about some of the stuff that you can get because uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, so. Guys, I had control over it. I'm sorry. Yeah, Tyler had control, which means that it is very odd. There isn't so so of course you have your typical like 
T-shirt. Uh, you've got your hat, uh, what's referred to as a dad hat. And I think anyone can imagine what a dad hat looks like. If you're um, watching YouTube right now, you can see what a dad hat looks like. True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Matt, uh, friend of the show, Matt Murphy should get one. A dad hat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not? Uh, we've got we've got our shirt in in uh, tie dye. We've got a bomber jacket that looks cool as heck. We've got shorts. We've got stickers that are our logos from our our main logo, and then our logo from our individual newsletters over on Patreon. We've got a what is referred to as a fun towel. I have no idea why you would. Well, I guess you know if you go to the beach, you have fun. You want a towel, so that makes a lot of sense. Well, it has the words uh, wank. Jizz and Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. You didn't My catch that would be Slightly more tasteful than that, but it has onomatopoeias wow. from comic books on it that are all fun. <laughs> wow! So Let's say it rhymes with the, another word that I did not want to put in the title of the towel. If if you want the comics pals on your on your uh fridge with a magnet, oh, yeah. if you want us in, in your cup, if you want us on your bra, you can get Marco's sports bra. Uh, if you want us on your feet, you can get Tyler's socks. Yeah, CW Gordon called that one. Yeah. <laughs> so we we have a lot of stuff that uh we are offering. We don't make it's not like we're gonna make make a ton of money off a of sale of this. We just thought it would be pretty cool for those of you who might want, you know some comics pals merch in your home. So head on over to the store. Uh, I'm put Tyler, it in the chat now in a second. Put it in yeah. the chat. There'll be a link to it in the description of whatever, however you're listening to this. So give it a look. It's fun stuff. It's a good time. Gotta get me a Marco bra. <laughs> One Marco on each, on each nip. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. The things, the things that go on around here. Uh, I can't even keep up. All of a sudden, Marco's face is on a bra. Imagine that. Go figure. So let's uh, let's let's. And that's not even in the store. <laughs> let's get into the listener comments. We've got quite a few. You guys have been active, and uh, you know we've been busy around here, so we haven't had a ton of time on the main show to get to them. But we do want to highlight your guys's uh, thoughts from the last couple of weeks. Some of these are coming from YouTube. Some of them are coming from Discord. So uh, you will definitely recognize the names. But Tyler, take it away. Uh, yeah, once I remember where I put them. Okay, here we go. Uh, so uh, Dan Trudeau. Uh, <clears throat> hold on. I got to get my mouth ready for this one. Whoop, don't quote me on that one. Uh, Dan Trudeau. I don't know you like that. But Dan said, uh, the Dan Didio conversation was great. He really has the problems pegged, but clearly wasn't the guy to overcome them. His attempts to break out of the current structure seemed more desperate and ill-thought-out as time went on. I guess I understand it better now, given the pressure he was under to keep sales moving up in a shrinking market. I also like that you guys brought up the fact that comics as a whole are doing just fine. It's just that the growth is in children's young adult graphic novels and manga. I will say DC is trying with their young adult books, though I haven't been able to find any data on how successful they really are. The, the big question is this. How do you create a bridge from reading those to DC's mainline books? I haven't seen anything to indicate there's there anywhere near an answer to that. Great question and comment. Thank you, Dan. Ever present, Dan Trudeau. Um, look, I think that being the editor in chief or being the publisher or 
the person in the chair for a big two comics publisher is probably very hard, especially at DC. In my mind, DC has less wiggle room in terms of what they can do in their books than Marvel does. I don't actually know if that's true or not, but for some reason, I have that perception. And DC has tried a lot of things over the last 20 or so years. And we talked about that a lot uh, while we were discussing the Dan Didio interview that I still think people should go and check out. And we clearly know that a lot of that was trying to tap in to the market that Dan Didio feels was lost, which was the market of people who, A, are the young fans, the young audiences who are the the lost generations of comics that Dan was trying to court. And then also fans who don't necessarily want superhero comics, but they want to read comics that neither Marvel or DC have been serving for the last 40 years, 40 or more years. Um, That's a tough tall order and maybe it does come across as desperate but i do think that dan had a desperate position make dc appealing and attractive not to audiences but to bigwigs which is a different situation you know the 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 bigwig at warner doesn't care about the idea that you know the industry might have lost a certain group of people along the way they only care about how many comics you're selling. And the best way to sell comics, I don't care what company you work for, the best way to sell comics is to have Batman on your comic book. Or I guess Spider-Man. So what what are you supposed to do? It's not an enviable position. It's very difficult. You're right, though, that I do feel like uh, DC has always had a little more corporate uh, fingers in the soup. That's not an expression. (laughs) Um, But... Like, whereas Marvel, it should be an expression, I think. Uh, Marvel always kind of feels like it's on its own island. Like, Marvel Comics is kind of always just doing its thing. Um, To its detriment, I feel, because it never really feels like a part of something. Um, But uh, DC, there's always something going on, whether it's like a giant move that just disrupts the whole uh, publishing line. Uh, I think Mm. I think uh, (laughs) I think Sean saw Modoc in the uh, the image there. That's um, so funny. For those of you who who are audio only, <laughs> every single time we do listener comments, there's an image of Director Bones as with Wildcat. Wildcat's face pondering something, and in the background, you can see images of various things. And for some reason, now Modok from Quantumania is in it, and it is horrifying. Why not? Worse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like there's always some weird meddling with DC. So like. I think having to spearhead that that, that Dan Didio uh, just couldn't do it. And I don't know. I, I don't even know if it's his fault. I don't even consider it his fault, really. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, I think some of his ideas were a little a little, a little wacky. Uh, and how he executed the ones that did get executed were dubious. Uh, but there's always too many fingers in the soup. Indeed. Put that on a shirt. Oh, I can. I mean, listen, you can't sit on your own ass, you know? Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Uh, And then to answer the question, how do you create a bridge from reading those to DC's mainline books? 
I think that that is a that is a very very tall order. DC's young adult books are not the same, and they're not courting the same audience as their mainline books. It's just it's just a very different animal, and I think it's good that DC tries to branch out and reach these different corners of the market. In my opinion, and this is an opinion that I have held for a long time, and I kind of feel like Dan's comments from last week about the two lost generations of potential comic book readers props up my opinion. I don't actually think that there is an untapped readership out there. That's not an opinion that I have. I don't think that there's all these people across the United States who are waiting for that particular thing to happen that's going to all of a sudden activate them and make them read big two comics. I think people who want to read comics are already doing that. And they're doing that by reading, you know, Dogman, or they're doing that by reading, you know, whatever comic or all the things that encompass comics. They're just not really going to Western comics. Yes. I don't, I do believe that there is a problem in bringing on new readers for Western comics, but the industry is fine with that for now. The industry can sustain itself for now if you don't believe that the variant cover problem is going to be the end of the industry. I, I don't think that there is a way to bridge that gap, though, to answer the question. You brought I up, think that uh, Sean, you brought up last week the idea of maybe leaning into single volume releases, similar to how manga does it. Do you think well, that was for the ultimate line? Yeah. Well, do you think that could bridge the gap a bit if they do kind of lean into that? Nope. No. Because the reason why I, I say that is because those people are looking for so DC's hiring a lot of creators who have worked in the young adult space already to write those books. Uh they're hiring artists and writers whose style is well suited towards the young adult book market. So that in my mind doesn't necessarily translate to what and I'm just picking a name, like what Joshua Williamson's vision for the bigger DC universe is, you know, like DC's stories are not romance novels. They're not, they don't lend themselves to the same audience that wants that. They don't care about Deathstroke versus Nightwing, unless it's a love story, you know? I mean, one thing that would be nice in comics in general, uh, advertisement, <laughs> it's not like books are not advertised anywhere. Like the mainline DC books, what is it? Previews? That's the most you get. Previews in a CBR article, like that's your, that's your advertisement budget. Um, I don't know. Put freaking ads on TikTok. Like there, there are ways to do it. Yeah, but I, I guess that's just too expensive for what it makes. So it doesn't make sense. My impression, uh, with these young adult GNs too, is that the characters seem a lot different from the ones that are in the books yeah um so you know when they finish that beast boy and raven graphic you know graphic novel uh they're gonna find themselves in a very different situation if they try and go into the mainline continuity so that's not gonna encourage them to keep looking Exactly. That that's the problem. The big two pigeonhole themselves and they've 
created a very specific audience that wants very specific things. And I can't, I count myself in that. Like, I don't want the big two to, to change and all of a sudden have a, you know, a manga style release or anything like that in pockets. Yeah. Like the ultimate universe, but um, mainline DC or Marvel, I would, I would balk at that. I would be very upset by that. Uh, um, Dan brings up a point there in the Twitch chat saying that younger kids, uh, it's hard to get them interested in monthly comics but graphic novels they're interested in um and like that reminds me like when i was a kid i was reading captain underpants like because i knew that was a full story in that one book you know the idea of here's this comic that maybe is 15 minutes at most worth of entertainment volume and time um you don't get the next one for a month like that doesn't compute to attention spans nowadays yeah, like people freak out when the whole season isn't released for a show. You know, when they're weekly releases, people are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on!" And we're talking adults. Yeah, exactly. Forget killed uh, children. Yeah. What about <laughs> those iPad kids? Are not going to be able to deal with fifteen minutes a month for it. Yeah. And the Let's price is like it's it's a weird thing. Uh, so uh, Manny uh had a question too. Uh, say the Ultimate Universe gets a fresh reboot. Who are the writers that take up the ma- the main titles? Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Ultimates, any other title I can't think of? I have a hunch after the announcement, Kate's might take up Spider-Man. And can you read that next comment as well? Sure. Uh, and then uh, Matt said, these Brian Hitch takes are respectfully ass. What new artist would you want to represent this era of Ultimates? I read that, I read that comment this morning when Sean posted the show notes and I went... God, I don't even remember what I said about Brian Hitch. Me neither, but, but I could take a guess. Yeah. It probably was ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we said, or what I said, well, I only remember what I said in this case. And what I said was that I would have preferred, or you know, in my moment of thinking, like, gosh, it would have been cool if a new artist, um, someone who could put their stamp on this iteration of the Ultimate Universe, if we are getting a new iteration. If it's beyond just this one event, um, and I guess Matt did not like that. Matt also bought the one of the shittiest uh, Wildstorm books, so he's just a nostalgia machine. So, <laughs> so that's fair. If if you want the nostalgia of the Ultimates, yeah, Brian Hitch is your guy. But I don't think that's what the the, the line should be. Right, I want yeah. the nostalgia for the event, I guess. Sure, but like yeah. I don't want it for whatever comes next, and I think that's important. Yeah. But let's let's answer these questions. So, uh, we don't need to like belabor this too much. Just spitfire, I guess. Um, creators that I think will be involved. I think Donnie Cates is a great example of someone who probably should be involved. I think if you're going to bring on someone like Greg Capullo, um, having him be someone who can help spearhead if this is a new initiative. Having him be someone who can spearhead something like that is very smart. And him teaming up with Donny Cates on something like X-Men, banger. That would be a banger. So, um, And there, there's precedent for Donny Cates in the Ultimate Universe. He teased it in his Venom run. So, like... It was actually teased. We didn't get around to talking about this, but it was teased years ago. Donny Cates had teased something on Twitter regarding the mm-hmm. Ultimate Universe. And when C.B. Sabolsky was asked... About that, he gave a non-answer. So, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Any um, other thoughts about who could do what? I I hope they just to keep it visually distinct from the main line. I I don't know about writers, honestly. Uh, it's they can find people for that. 
in terms of artists, they, they got a lot of European artists that they've been, you know, mining for stuff at Marvel. Um, like uh, Federici is one of them. Um, I think if they lean into that as the art style, like the house art style for Marvel, where things are a little more Europe, but slightly manga inspired, um, mm. that could work. You know, I, I don't want like a Geraldo Sandoval, like that's a little too far in that direction, but you know, that could work as well. People do appreciate that stuff. Um, yeah, but I think it funny. needs to have a distinct visual style to it. That's where I was going to go for uh, for that exact reason. I was going to say Nicholas Draper Ivy, I Ooh, think would okay. set a good precedent for um, uh, uh, a universe style. Yeah, it, it, honestly, I think I'd prefer no name writers on it. Uh, I think maybe, that's maybe a way a, for it to die a death. A big maybe. one for the mainline book, but like the 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 secondary titles, like give someone a chance to. Like mm. that's what that's kind of where like you know Bendis kind of kicked off his his run. I mean he was doing some stuff before that, but everyone maybe, knows Bendis for, for maybe younger writers. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, writers who haven't quite had the chance to get to do something they really want to do. Like I I don't know this might be pigeonholing them a little too much, but like you know I think of creators like uh, Vita Ayala, who's been around a while, but it doesn't seem like they have had the the real chance to um put their stake in you know yeah yeah i i agree with that i think you can grab vita ayala's i think you can you know add like a leah williams to this type of thing and yeah i think that's kind of the level what you're asking for them to put non-dude riders on the ultimates line come on Oh, damn, you're right. <laughs> Never mind. Breaking Forget. precedent. Break there. The Throw it all, blow it all up. It, it was um, all just guys. It was all just uh, white dudes writing uh, the ultimate line, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, dog, it's been it's been all white dudes writing. Fair, fair. Yep. The whole time. <laughs> Got me writing it, drawing it. Yeah, I would just, I would just like to see. I would like to see. You have to have your top names, so you can't launch this type of thing without your top names. But I would also like to see the next top names if you will like yeah if you have access to like snyder hickman they should all work there on the ultimate line because you want to sell the comics but i think ultimately when those individuals move on from it the people who should be spearheading it should be the next generation if you will um and and i think vita ayala leah williams and others are in that conversation as far as art styles i mean gosh you know, this is probably not a great answer, but my mind goes to Pepe Larraz for stuff like this, of course. And mm-hmm. um, I would love to see him have a turn with something. I I wouldn't specifically because I feel like that has turned into Marvel's house style right now. Yes, if you bring it over exactly. to the, uni- yep. the Ultimate Universe, then where's the visual distinction? Because the Ultimate Universe was visually distinct when it first launched. Like Bagley. Uh, kind of changed up the style a bit for that. That like Spider Man looks different, you know. Um, but somehow looks the same. Uh, well, yeah. Eventually, eventually, it kind of circled back around, but <laughs> and then it and then it got even more outdated again. But uh, that's, you know, that's badly for you. Matt says, "Look how the next generation killed the X line." Um, yeah. I mean, I I I think <laughs> I think that. It's a weird it's a weird situation because on one hand they're playing they're they're playing yeah. to the beat of someone else's drum as well, right? Like Hickman was the architect of that and they had to 
tell the stories that fit in his sandbox. And they're still sort of doing that by telling the stories that fit in Kieran Gillen's sandbox. It's probably less stringent than that. And then, of course, you have editors like Jordan D. White who are dictating certain things. So the X-Line's in a weird spot. I don't inherently disagree with what you're saying, but I do think they deserve grace. And I would still be interested in seeing what they would do. But I do think the ultimate line would need to be more... it would need to have less rules from one on one hand, but on another hand, it would have to have a, a clear track. Yeah, like it would I have think, to feel smaller. I think it would have to. I, I mean, I I don't know if it's just the way the X line has been has sort of made me think of the rest of Marvel this way, but it, it feels like each title would need to have its own little focus you know spider-man happens in spider-man's world the x-men happen in the x-men's world the avengers happens in theirs and if there's a captain america book by god it happens in his you know uh, in that old style of comic books that doesn't quite feel like that anymore yeah sure and and with the x-men like sean said like that was kind of engineered by hickman at least this ultimate universe won't be engineered by hickman (laughs) wait a minute (laughs) but well my idea in my mind here you know this is going to be not a not a particular person's sandbox sure i'm hoping if this is a new line or whatever that it's just going to be a um him a, a table setting on hickman's part and maybe he would do avengers but he wouldn't be dictating what happens in other books in Avengers, if you will. What if they do go the MCU route and they just get a whole bunch of screenwriters? I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that. I'm tired. I'm, I'm already tired of that, actually. Quickest way to kill a universe. You don't want a Jeff Loveness written uh, Ultimate Spider-Man? I'm okay. Uh, real quick. We did have a couple of comments that I think are worth getting to in the chat. Uh, Atomic Hound, do we ever see a scenario where DC and Marvel go day and date on digital subscriptions and have ad-supported versions to help bear some of the cost for the reader? I think day and date. Uh, oh, well, on digital subscriptions. Um, that's Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe, right? Yeah, I think that's not an impossibility, but it would really, really, really... Uh, chap the asses of comic shop owners, yeah. and that's not something that Marvel or DC really want to do, nor do I think it's good for the industry for them to do it. That being said, we have clear evidence that people who read digitally, regardless of anything, are not the same people who read physically. There's a clear delineation between how people want to read their comics, and they consistently make one choice over the other. And digital currently is a relatively small peak the overall sales of comics in the western market so do i think it would like be a death blow to the industry for these for specifically those um services to go day and date no but i still don't think that they're going to do it because of the implication i think they won't do it because it would kill comic shops i think um but if they smell blood in the water and that comic shops are, are dying from something else, they'll do it. They're going to jump on the chance to do it, I think. Um, I think that's one of those things that they can just flip a switch and just decide to do. 
Uh, but because, you know, look at Comics Pro that just happened last week. Uh, retailers kind of have a gentle chokehold on the, on the the weekly release industry. So. I think you. Sean, you're muted, I think. Oh, whoops. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I, I thought it was me. <laughs> I would say they have a stranglehold. Hmm. I don't think they can, I mean, sure, but also, like, they're not very powerful in the grand scheme of things, so, like. If they're keeping, if they're keeping comics from being day and date, I would say they're pretty powerful. Fair. Um, we had another one that I wanted to address. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kingdom asked, but is the ultimate universe restored like its own universe? We don't know. We don't know yet. All we know is that Hickman and Hitch are going to be telling a story called Ultimate Invasion that will be some sort, appears to be some sort of crossover between the Ultimate Universe and Mainline 616. But the details of all of that are unclear. They will become clear as Free Comic Book Day rolls around and then we get into the actual event proper in June. So uh, it's up in the air. So if the event starts in June... Uh, typical events, what, six issues? Roughly? We don't know how long this event is. So No, we, we don't, yeah. So it could lead into like a San Diego Comic-Con announcement. That lines up right in my head for what, mm-hmm. what comes after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll find out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where things go with that. We got two more. Let's wrap, let's wrap these up. Your uh, link... Uh, asked uh, let's assume for a minute that james gunn's attempts at building this big connected dc film universe fails completely bad reviews low profits and there's just no traction from the fan base does wb give up on trying to establish a shared cinematic universe or do they try 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 again with someone else in charge there's Uh, no reason to give up it's too profitable yeah they'll try again i mean if it's low profit so he's you know link's assuming here that it's not very profitable right now it's not Um, it may it may not be profitable for them based on how they're choosing to do it, but because the MCU is so successful, there is a blueprint a blueprint for success, and there is proof that it can work. The question is, can it work for DC? And I don't think that when you have Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Flash in your arsenal, you ever have to question that part. The question is, can you deliver these characters and these myths in such a way that it inspires people to go to the theaters? And quite frankly, like if we're being really real about it, that's not all that's not been DC's problem all the way. DC's problem hasn't been these movies cannot make money or these movies do not make money. Their Mm -hmm. problem is that outside of Batman, they haven't and and certain others, because even Aquaman was very successful. Mm -hmm. Joker and the Batman were huge successes. Those are not in continuity per se there are big successes batman versus superman was a big success don't get it twisted it's just that the narrative around dc was god awful and justice league set them on a trajectory where it looked like things were going to go downhill and so they figured out an exit strategy but they can make money with these characters and they they, they will the, the, these characters are, are modern myths really like yeah. it, you can keep shoveling shit to people and they'll still eat it. You know what I mean? Like the whole narrative for what the entire DCU since Man of Steel was, oh, these movies could be better. 
Yeah. They do fine still, you know? Yeah. People will your eat opening, shit. Your opening weekend is always going to boom. It's that drop-off that's going to hurt. Yeah. I think the, the, the greater risk is uh, because of Marvel and potential burnout from people there, does that translate then to superhero movies in general? Um, and then if that become if it becomes a thing where like people are just burnt out on, you know, capes and cows in general, I don't know if they just start switching to, well, here's, here's a Rorschach movie, you know, but, um, we'll see mm-hmm. that. I, I don't think there's ever a, a time though, where they say, Hey, we're going to do like a Sony S Spider-Man deal. where like, Hey, you have the movie rights, but we'll keep advertisement rights or something. Um, I don't think they ever sell things off that way. Uh, it, it's, if you look at WB slate, like Not anymore. Most yeah. of the money comes from the superhero stuff. It almost is that. That was what fuels the good movies. <laughs> I don't think that there will come a time where people, by and large, ticket ticket purchasers, and about social media warriors, but people who go to the theater and buy a ticket where they don't want to see Batman and Superman share screen together. And that the power of that will fuel whatever DC's ideas are, even if they're not that great. Now, granted, Justice League didn't do so well. was really egregious. And I think even in that situation, people were angry because they wanted to like it so much, and they couldn't. And I think that's part of why uh, the fuel of the Zack Snyder like movie movement is so strong, because... They want to love it so much. Those bots um, are pretty strong. Well, so you, there's no world, start. Sean, where where WB sells Justice League to Netflix. No, <laughs> no, no, dude. There's my no, entire Facebook no uh, targeted ads is just sell the Snyderverse to Netflix, and it's like, guys, that's not how things work. Ugh. You're wasting money. Foolish. Uh, quickly, we don't have to spend time on this. Should DC switched their – do you think their movies would do better if they made it slightly more slightly more family-friendly, like maybe even leaning more toward kids? I just had the thought of like the Justice League animated series. I don't think kids' movies do as well though traditionally, like in terms of profit margin. Like Puss in Boots versus – you know, the Batman, it's not comparable. I don't see how it would make sense. Well, I think I think to Kale's point, though, it doesn't have to be dark to be a Batman movie. And I think there's a world where, in fact, I think we're about to enter that world. I don't think that James Gunn's DC is going to be this dark hellscape. I actually mm. think there's going to be quite a bit of brightness to it and it would be stupid not to because first of all marvel has had a lot of success making you know family friendly movies obviously there are moments that might buck that trend but by and large you can take your kid to a marvel movie and do okay yeah Mm -hmm. um and i think dc would do well to do that so a movie that has superman in it should be a movie that a kid can go and enjoy. I do believe that. And and I guess maybe not in every instance. I would sound like a hypocrite because I don't necessarily feel that way for Batman. I think kids can go, but I don't think that Batman movies have to um, cater to them. Cater to them. Thank you. 
So, you know, maybe it's case by case. DC is very different. Their characters are myths unto themselves. Marvel is a the world of Marvel is mythological, but DC's characters are myths unto themselves. So they each occupy a different space. Like, you know, and this is something that actually Alan Moore talks about. um, But DC's characters don't necessarily fit together well. Especially mm-hmm. when you go from the top end to the mid end or lower, it's kind of weird that they're together. Yeah. Um, and so I think they have an advantage in that tonally they can do whatever they want, case mm-hmm. by case, and it works. It, it can it, work. And they're already having their cake and eating it too, because like Super Pets came out last year, ninety million dollar yeah. budget, made two two hundred and seven million. So like, made over double. So I, and that was yeah, a little thing. So I mean, it's hard to say that's not profitable. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, uh, why make that? Like, they could just do that whenever, I guess. It doesn't even need to be their main line. It's already profitable. I, yeah, I guess that's sort of what I mean. Yep. Last one? Uh, yes, yeah, so Jones25full uh, said, I love comics, been reading since the late 90s, uh, but I've just burnt out on the MCU. Endgame felt like the fiery climax, and now it feels like we are shifting around the embers. I think Disney Plus has been a blight on their slate and stretch them too thin. I hope they take their time going forward, but I doubt it because they seem to not have taken any lessons from the mistakes in the last two years. I agree with that. The only thing I'll say is that we can't say what lessons they've learned because of how far in advance they have to work. Yeah, The film and television industry <laughs> works years and years in advance, so the slate we're seeing up until 2025 is whatever, and they can't really pivot too much. When you have announced big tentpole movies and things like that with Disney plus, they have more wiggle room. Like we see how they are now slowing down the process. You can already tell on their releases. Some stuff may never come out. Like I'm not convinced Agatha will necessarily ever see the light of day. Um, But with film, you can't really do that. I think they have learned lessons. I just think we're not going to see those lessons for some time. And I think with, with the entertainment industry in in general, uh, with do the COVID like, it was wacky, you know, uh, they had to lean into streaming platforms because people couldn't physically go to theaters. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we've still seen the, the end of those repercussions because they went, you know, whole hog, you know, into streaming and now it's not, it's not what it's about anymore. You know, it's, it's, mm. it's weird. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a Disney problem. That's just an entertainment industry problem in general. Look what HBO Apparently. Max is doing. Just removing Param- stuff for tax write-offs because of it. Paramount has just laid off a ton of people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, yeah and uh, entire Discovery, Star Trek I think, Discovery uh, cast. Just, um, <laughs> yeah, they just uh, <laughs> announced their final season um, for a show that's been pretty successful. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say. Like, So I think, yeah, I think in terms of like, the potential lessons we've seen Disney uh, learn or not. I think we're still very much in this era of, oh, the people like Thor. Uh, to, was uh, the third one? Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. That was Love and Thunder? Yeah. No, no Ragnarok. Ragnarok. <laughs> Ragnarok. There's four Thor movies. I forgot. I know. Yeah. Uh, people, people like Thor Ragnarok. I think we're still sort of in that era. And I think the reason they're slowing, you know, they're telling us they're slowing down is because they're realizing that's not quite, you know, 
what every movie needs to be mm-hmm. given Thor Love and Thunder, Quantumania, and even Black Widow to an extent. Dude, I forget Black Widow existed constantly. Yeah. How many of the Marvel movies have you gone to see in theaters? Is that you asking me? All of them. Yeah. Yeah, all of them. Did you see Black Widow in theaters? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know because of COVID. I watched that's it. What I was, yeah. That's what I was getting at, yeah. yeah. It, ma- it makes sense to me why you would forget oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. Or, oh, I was yeah, probably yeah. on my phone is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, if, if I'm at home, right, watching a movie, you know, no one's, no one's yeah. telling at me. No one's telling me to keep my phone in my pocket while I watch. So, yeah, it comes out. Dude, that's why that's I why go to the theaters. Right. I have ADHD. Like I need I need the social pressure to pay attention. One hundred percent. So we are gonna get into the news before we do that. And if you're and if you're really excited to hear us talk about Twilight of the Gods or Twilight of the Superheroes, I knew that was gonna happen eventually. Um hang tight. We are about to get into that. We have just a couple of news items we want to touch on. But uh I did want to quickly shout out and plug. Uh, a listener's Kickstarter. So Syl Stevenson is a listener of the Comics Pals, and uh, they are going to be launching a Kickstarter here on March 13th for the Death Tally. They're going to be uh, putting out a compendium that encompasses Death Tally 1 through 3, and it's going to come with hard enamel pins that you can get through the Kickstarter as well. Um, the art is phenomenal by uh, Gab Sarah. Really just beautiful stuff. So uh, I think you should give it a shot. I think you should give it a look. I actually really want to check this out because I've missed the last Kickstarter. So I want to see what the mm-hmm. death tally is all about. Silva is a very, very cool person, a good person who and us. So we're supporting in kind. And I think uh, as a community, let's let's give it a look. Let's give I it a look. The, uh, cool as hell through too. the link, yeah. the link in the chats there. So if you guys want to hit that little notify me on launch little little button there, you can. Yeah. Uh, quickly, the uh, the the elevator pitch here is: she accidentally killed the Reaper. Now she must replace it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Blue Oyster Cult would love it too. <laughs> huh. Interesting. <laughs> All right. So let's talk Joe Madueras Battle Chasers. I never thought we'd be talking about this on this podcast. But Battle Chasers is making its return. And I want to say this right up front. I have no familiarity at all with Battle Chasers. Not only that, but Battle Chasers is one of those books that I've been hearing about since I started reading comics that I've literally never even seen an issue of in person. I've never encountered it. I even missed the book club we did on it. So I I have no relationship to this whatsoever. I'm I'm with what you guys did a book club and battle chasers like that. We sure did. <laughs> we sure did. Must have, yeah, it must have been Pete Phil and Marco that did it because yeah. I wasn't here for it either. Jeez. Um mm-hmm. it it is a it is like the Bigfoot of comics for me, you know? Everyone's oh I've seen it, you know, I've seen it, oh it was great. And I'm like, oh, I don't I've never seen it physically anywhere. I've seen Kickstarters, I've seen bleeding cool articles, um, I've seen reports on it coming back constantly. Uh, but I never actually see the book. So I'm, I, I like Joe Mad. His art is iconic. Uh, his uh, Charles Soul Inhumans run, really underrated run. Uh, I recommend people check that out. Uh, try to reinvent Inhumans as the new X-Men. I think it worked. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, big announcement for an issue ten coming out, you know? Yeah. Um, but I and also like I'll believe it when I see it, sort of thing. But so I believe it's going to come out, and the reason why I believe that is also what I think takes away from this announcement, which is that it's not being drawn by Joe Matt. There, the there art, yeah. the art is by Ludo Lulabi or Luabi, and the art's great. It's really, it's really awesome, and I think it, I, I think it echoes the style that Joe Mad has and that made Battle Chasers popular. But isn't the draw of this series the art of Joe Madwera? Like, shouldn't that be? there he says he couldn't do it he says he finally realized 20 years down the road <laughs> that he could not do this book if he has to do the art as well because of everything that he's involved with so the uh little lobby has been a frequent collaborator uh of joe mad you know joe mad kind of helped design a lot of the world of warcraft comics uh character designer there Little Lobby did like Curse of the Worgen, some Legion comics. So like that is there. I might actually have some somewhere here. Um, so Matt's saying it's it the real draw is the plot. So I bet. I I bet. I thought you were more of a backstory guy, but whatever. It looks good. Uh I don't I, it's it's weird because it's returning, but it's returning with issue 10. They, so, sorry, are they going to reprint the one through nine? Like I'm lost. So there's going to be there's image is going to be re-releasing, you know, everything. Um, but yeah. like, what the hell? There was a there was an anthology that they put out, which is cool. If you want to keep up with this, you will have to go out and buy, presumably, uh one of those anthologies they're putting out a new one um uh but i'm not gonna do that that, that i'm not doing that will i buy the 10th though probably mm. murphy probably. says there's been a recent collection put out so mm. yeah there might be fairly it might be fairly inexpensive there was one in 2019 mm. for sure and they they do say that they're going to be putting out a new one Sean, it's I gone just, back to print as well, the 2019. I just busted one, out so. my Warcraft comics. Uh, the Little Lobby drew the, I guess, from the beginning, the Warcraft book, uh, with written by Walt Simonson. Fun fact, I've read none of those. Yeah, this is where Varian shows up. This is where his first appearance is. It's not in the games. I got to get on that. Uh, Jim Jim Lee drawn variant for it of, of Varian on there, too. So That's sick. Good quality that is, hardcover. That so, is cool. Uh, was it? Our course, I don't know. Yes, I believe they were the ones that had the uh, the right step. But yeah, so um, this is this is cool for those of you who are huge fans. Uh, this comes out June fourteenth. So, and time for Flash. <laughs> yeah, we'll have Flash and we'll have Battle Chasers in the same week. What it's else? What book. else could you need? Yeah, right. Bullet in the head. <laughs> that's what. I, that's the option I'll be taking. Okay. 
Well, speaking of things that have been dormant, let's talk about Batman Beyond. We're going to talk about Marco. (laughs) (laughs) We are Batman Beyond. That would be interesting. Um, So Batman Beyond is, of course, the follow-up to Batman the Animated Series, which is legendary and classic. I would say that Batman Beyond is maybe not equally as legendary and classic, but it's certainly up there. And I would say it's as legendary, less classic. Okay, I'll take that. It's something it's a it's a story that has a lot of it, a lot of people hold it uh dearly. It means something to a lot of people. Batman Beyond does. And they've done some comic stuff obviously with Batman Beyond over the years. So it's not as if the character's just been ghost, but when it comes to you know, the big screen when it comes to animated, we haven't seen much of Batman Beyond since the initial series and the movie that they put out, The Return of the Joker, which is, huh, that Fire. is so good. Fire. Tyler, not in agreement. You don't, you don't. No, that wasn't agreeing. That was a. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the movie's good. Yeah. We talked years ago about a Batman Beyond movie live action being in the works. And I want to say it was. Christi- yeah, Christina Hodson um, was working on that at some point, but that that's probably not going to happen. Um, or, or rather, Christina, yeah, yeah, Christina Hodson was working on it. It's not going to happen, but according to Jeff Snyder on the Hot Mike podcast, there is an animated Batman Beyond movie that's in the works, and it's been in the works since 2019, and it is sort of to be an answer to the Spider-Verse stuff that's, that's going on. Now, a Batman Beyond live action movie, I think, is super cool. But I don't know that I need it. Yeah. An animated movie, though. All right. Now we're talking. I think they that should have an answer to, to Spider-Verse. Like, if Marvel is beating DC at animation, like, that, there's something wrong. This is their bread and butter, really. This is what... Well, is Marvel beating them at animation? In terms of theater releases, uh, what, we got Super Pets versus Into the Spider-Verse? So... Like, this is the same, the same you know, company that put out the New Frontier movie, which is fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. so... Uh, yeah, I would like this to be... Like, even if they, even if they like, make it like the Batman version of Spider-Verse. Like, show me, uh, you know, Batman by Gaslight or whatever. Show me Batman who laughs. Like, make it a multiversal thing. It's, I it, don't know. I'm totally cool with being a carbon copy, too. No, I'm tired of multiverses. I'm fi- I'm I'm done with that. We just started. I'm yeah. finished with it. We just started. No, I'm done. If that's it, if, if that's true, if there's more multiverses happening. You're out. Past, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it three more years. If there's more multiverses within three years, I'm done. <laughs> I'm so tired of multiverses. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, um, a lot that can be done with Batman Beyond that doesn't need to be multiverse to be successful. I think DC has the mind, the hearts and minds of animated superhero fans, and Batman Beyond as a character that look it came from that batman beyond 
spawned from you know the animated the love of those animated shows. It was an animated show that people really loved. I think a re- a return of that would would hit the nostalgia button for a lot of people. But I also think it being animated would give a lot of new fans a, a way in, and they would really love it, given the love of Spider Verse and things like that. So I think this is a no brainer if they really go through with it. Somehow, Batman Beyond is more dated now than the animated series is. In what regard? Just the the whole it, it's like this weird future that existed in like the late nineties, early two thousands of what we thought the future would be, with weird lingo and stuff, uh, like saying glitch or what, what are some other those weird catchphrases they'd have in Batman Beyond. Um, whereas like the animated series is kind of timeless, purposefully so. I agree with that, but I don't feel I don't feel like that. I don't feel like that really. S- negates how popular something like this could be. Oh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying, like, I feel like in terms of, like, if we're going to compare it to the animated series, uh, one's a little more rewatchable than the other, in my opinion. So uh, uh, maybe they might need mm. to make some kind of changes to Batman Beyond. Uh, yeah, they will. No doubt. I think they would, but don't we love it for what it is? I sure do. I'm I'm not the biggest fan. I'm I'm not the no. biggest fan of the series. I think that the movie's fun. Well, um, I'm but... looking at a Howard the Duck Funko Pop in uh, a mech, so I, your taste is uh, something I'm not. Um, I'm not this? quite. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, is one? that is that the dude from? That reminds me of the from Toy Story. Isn't there like a duck on a on legs or something? Oh no, yeah, yeah, right, something like that. Something yeah, no, like this that. Is from, yeah. uh, I think the Contest of Champions game. But yeah. Oh. Okay. Cool. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. If it happens, I would be very, very happy. But I'm actually not holding my breath for this one. Yeah. Same. Same as the same as the live action one. I'm. I'm still a bit like it's still like especially when their uh their big thing is. Uh, we should have an answer to the Spider Verse. Uh, it still feels like they're chasing tails. Like they need to be building things on their own. And basically, since uh, the Bruce Tim stuff, they just they just haven't been doing it. I wouldn't even like. I would say that Batman Beyond could be the baseline for something special you could have other characters in that world who are the future version of characters that we know and love and it doesn't have to be a multiverse but you could it should not be a multiverse but you could build out a world of animated movies spawning from the batman beyond film if it were to be successful It, it it could be something that has legs, but yeah, could be, it, could if be. they could if be. they were going to do this, I would like to see it. I would like to see the baby. Who's baby? Oh, that's a Mandalorian quote. You don't watch Mandalorian, Sean? I do. Are you? You're, is it? Is it a quote from the new from episode? Like episode or two. Dude, what do you think? I watched that shit. <laughs> you don't. You don't remember Werner Herzog in a Star Wars like that is it, imprinted into my memory. I don't even know who Werner Herzog is, but it's not as if. 
Yep. It's not as if yep. the Mandalorian is such high television that I have to remember Joel, lines of dialogue from random people from the second episode. We're going to be doing a uh, a Patreon uh, movie review of uh, Aguirre, The Wrath of God. That's what we're going to be doing. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think we're out of the the uh, the era of quotable TV shows? No. I don't think so. I, don't think so. Um, I quote I quote Poker Face all the time by just saying bullshit. Uh, like uh, by just saying bullshit. Well, I, I guess that's not a very good quote. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, I personally don't come across a lot of things in shows where I'm like, oh my god, I have to start saying that now. Yeah. When I go yeah. on the internet or I get on here and I hear Tyler talk, there's all kinds of things that people are referencing that I don't know about. So I think I quotes know. are now just TikTok sounds. Mm. Or Vine. Yeah. Well, let's let's quickly talk about a new imprint that Marvel is launching. If you can believe those words coming out of my mouth. Marvel and and, and it's not that dramatic, first of all, because it's not as if they're doing something brand spanking new. All they're really doing is they are taking their Planet of the Apes, Alien, and Predator books, which are all 20th Century Fox, or I guess 20th Century Studios properties, and they are building a comics imprint around that. So all of these are things that we've been getting. You know, Planet of the Apes is on the horizon, but Alien and Predator we've certainly been getting from Marvel. And they're now just making it official. So it's got the nice dressing on top that has the 20th Century Studios logo on it, uh, you know, in big, you know, in a big uh, logo. And then Marvel's logo is kind of small on the bottom, which is interesting to see. I'm assuming that these will not be the only books that get announced for this line, but it's all we know about right now. I had seen some people... The Last Airbender, which could be Dark Horse a- had the rights to at a certain point, but uh, Dark right. Horse losing the rights to something is not out of the realm of possibility. So exactly, yeah. exactly, the rights just are kind of in flux. In fact, I feel like announcing this is because they have Avatar coming. That's a big thing. It's uh, a herald of that. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Do you guys have a uh, a property you'd want to see in comic book form from Twentieth Century Studios? I have a couple that I'd like. What do you got? I don't know what they do. I like the the transporter. Remember uh, Jason Statham's transporter series? Oh of my god! Great. Oh, yeah. uh, Big Mama, Big Mama's House comics. Let's go. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, the graphic novel. We could do that. Um, twenty four. Remember those? Uh, twenty the twenty four show. You were a twenty four guy, weren't you, Sean? So no, that could be a comic. It could be fun. Yeah. Twenty four was good as hell. I love twenty four. Uh, they have Die Hard. That like that's a sellable comic, I think. John McClane I think, comics. I think I think Die Hard could be dead, and I'm okay with it. Uh, what else? They have uh, uh, the Fly, the Cronenberg stuff. You know, like they can do adaptations in the graphic novel form with this. That I think you know could be interesting. Uh, Home Alone. Um, come on, that could be mm, fun. No, Hellraiser. This, um, this uh, trade dressing with the purple banner and the – is that what it looks like? Yeah. Yeah. Bro, that looks like shit. I like it. Oh, I they thought... better They better get a designer on that logo or something because that looks 
bad. Dude, I like it. It's purple. I like purple, and I'm simple. Is it? You just like the purple? Yeah, I like the color purple. The whole thing could be purple. But but the color purple, not a 20th Century Studios property, so. I don't have a problem with the purple. That's not it's the it's the 20th Century Studios giant logo that's <laughs> sitting over the the ape's face that like why? So it's funny because uh up until the new like Force Awakens, 20th Century Fox released the Star Wars movie. Right. Like do they do they transition them over to that? Probably not, I don't think. Mm. Um, but yeah. Night of the Museum. That could be a fun series of comics. I, I, now that we're talking about this, I actually really hope they don't add <laughs> to the line. Because I think there's a, there's a point at which it gets silly. And Mrs. Doubtfire would do that. Yeah. Like it waters down the whole spirit of what they're trying to do. They have to be very, very, very careful. I think if you wouldn't make a, if you wouldn't normally make a comic about it, you probably should just not make a comic about it, even if you have this imprint. Like if they if they didn't have the imprint at all and they wouldn't release the book, they shouldn't release it now because they have it. Planet of the Apes, Predator, Alien, they all make sense as comics. They're action packed and they're interesting. They got interesting looking characters. Yeah. For as much as right, for as much as I love the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, and I know you're joking, but like for as much as I love that movie, I think without Robin Williams, like it's just very pedestrian. Um I, I don't feel like it lends itself. With Mrs. All Doubtfire these... was you know Mrs. Doubtfire was a, a book before it was a uh yeah. a, a film. I didn't I did not know yeah. that. With all of these and potentially Avatar also being sci-fi space books, um, crossover potential? Like Alien versus Predator makes sense. Alien versus the Planet of the Apes. Predator on Avatar Island, you know, that could be something. Is that what they plan on doing here? Everything's got to be a fucking universe. Of course. Star Trek with the Green Lanterns. Star Trek with the Power Rangers. Oh, Star, Star Trek, Trek meets Batman. Have I have Star Trek X? <laughs> That's remarkable. Part of Paramount uh, Comics. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be bothered. I wouldn't be bothered by that. You know, sure, whatever. It's not for me, so I don't care what they do with it. If it's for people, if it's for who it, if it, if it works for who they're targeting, then why not? Especially because, as you pointed out, at least Alien and Predator have that that history, and it makes. It's very easy for me to understand how you could slot Planet of the Apes into that. So the, that would um, be fine for me. Other thing is that with this being outside of Marvel, can these be a little more adult because of that? You know, no, you don't think so. You don't think they can. How much more adult do they need to be? I mean, like Marvel comics do some pretty, you know. I guess maybe I like want to see some xenomorphs mating. I don't know. What are you into? What are you into? <laughs> I I can't. I cannot. Feet and aliens fucking. <laughs> Unbelievable, Tyler. So, I mean, I guess the only other thought I had or question is, now that Marvel has this new imprint, do you feel like this opens the doors to additional new imprints 
Or do you feel like this is just making official something that was kind of already happened? The second one. Yeah. Marvel tends yeah. to keep it pretty tight with imprints, I think. You know, your ultimates, your your max, your um Knights. I feel like there's another one. Knights. I feel like they tend to keep it pretty uh pretty tight. I was always if it's, I always wonder why they never made a Star Wars imprint. You know, like I I I don't think you need I guess well yeah. one I, I genuinely think uh to keep the door for crossover potential uh mm. to keep that open yeah that's like a in case um, of emergency break glass thing I think yeah yeah, yeah. uh oh we need to sell a million comics well we need to have Darth Vader fight the Avengers yeah Fortnite um, the comic but I also think that you know Star Wars sells itself. Like I, you know, I don't think you need to have, um, yeah, a Star Wars imprint. If a book is Star Wars, it's Star Wars. You know, I agree. Uh, but I mean, we have the 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 big question mark of the Ultimate Universe too. So like, it's just a precursor for the Ultimate's imprint finally coming back. You know, as opposed to it just being books. You know, right? Yeah that that could happen. That could happen, and if that does happen, then maybe they will do it for Star Wars. But I, I don't know. I kind of feel like they should not. But I guess it doesn't really matter, to be honest. Yeah, I will say I am excited for this Planet of the Apes book, though, because it's David F. Walker uh, writing it, and I traditionally like his stuff. So, yeah, David Walker's David Walker does good work. Um, I, I'll buy it. I'll buy the first one at least. Sure, we'll I'll, probably I'll talk buy about the first show. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. You ever see the original movie, Sean? Nope. And it still holds up. It's really I want to watch it. Yeah. Don't want to get around to that. The Tim Burton one's a little but Well, I like the uh the Matt Reeves. Yeah, those are great. Version. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So now we're gonna get into our main topic. Woo-hoo. And oh, sorry. Oh, I just said woohoo. That's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> And as we teased up front, this is something that I've wanted to talk about for a very long time. It's something that I think a lot of people who are very online and are comic fans and who have done who have done the digging over the years probably know about. Long rumor turned fact turned official by DC in 2020. We are talking about Alan Moore's event that never was Twilight of the Superheroes. Okay. (laughs) So in 1987, Alan Moore was on top of the comics industry. Watchmen was, of course, a huge success, and it wrapped in October of that year. Moore was riding high on that success. We know that things between Moore and DC became sour after it was clear that he would never get the rights to Watchmen characters and that even though DC had sold Moore and Gibbons on the idea that eventually they would get these rights back and they would reap all these benefits and things like that, that DC never intended to let Watchmen go out of print. And so they sort of tricked him, at least from his perspective, and he said he would never... Uh, work work with them anymore after he realized that 
his relationship with them would officially end in 99. But before things fell apart, Alan Moore was working on a project for DC that could be viewed as the spiritual successor for Watchmen. I've never seen anyone say that before about this. That's what I am saying. And I believe that. And we'll talk about why. In 1995, the 39-page proposal for this project mysteriously popped up on the internet, and it would go on to be a battleground for more in DC, and it would show audiences a peek at what they would never actually get. We're talking about Alan Moore's Twilight of the Superheroes, the greatest superhero story never told. Now, Alan Moore talks a lot about his philosophy on superheroes, what he thinks a good crossover is, and many, many, many other things. And I think as we talk about this, it's important to break down the mindset of Alan Moore and where he's coming from. This is a project that we will be doing over multiple weeks, the next few weeks at least. And so we're going to talk about this in stages. And today, I really want to go over what Alan Moore was thinking when he created his pitch and sent it off to DC, why he did it, what inspired it, who inspired it, and what his hopes were for Twilight of the Superheroes. Before we start, do you do either one of you, Kayla or Tyler, have a familiarity with this at all? Nope. Not at all. Uh, just whispers. You know? Yeah. Early, feel, early internet forum stuff. That's all. I feel like I've heard of Twilight of of uh, Twilight of the blank, but that could be Twilight of the Gods. It is, yeah. Uh, well, uh, versus this, like maybe I've heard of superheroes, maybe not. Uh, but I've definitely, you know, I'm familiar with that title to start, to a certain degree. Twilight of the Gods is essentially what Ragnarok is. Like that's that's basically what that means, and so this is taking that idea, that concept, and then of course applying it to superheroes. I think it for most people it has been whispers and rumors. There was a time when this was not even accessible and it was difficult to find, and um, and it, and it really is just this proposal. People have done fan art over the years and things like that, but there's not anything more than this that is a that is an official thing. What year was it pitched? Uh, this was pitched in 97. 97. Or, I'm sorry, 87. Jesus, 87. 87. 97, my God. By 97, I think Alan Moore was was trying to figure out how to curse uh, the, the, the brass at DC Comics. <laughs> figure it out, my by God. Yeah. It's, it's been you working ever had. since. <laughs> so I want to I wanna start with what it is. Because I think a lot of people don't even have any familiarity about what this what this would have been, what the plan was, and things like that. So Twilight of the Gods would have been the event that followed Crisis on Infinite Earths. And it would have seen a Rip Hunter and John Constantine from the future returning to that present DC. So DC's present in 1980-whatever or early 90s, whenever this would have come out to warn the heroes about the future and try to prevent it from occurring. That future is 30 years from the present 
when the world is now ruled by different superhero dynasties. The House of Steel, which features features Superman and Wonder Woman who are now married. The House of Thunder, which is the Marvel family, so like Mary Marvel and Billy Batson and everybody else like that. Um, the Titans, the proper Justice League, and other groups. So what I'm what I've just laid out for you is that the world has now been overtaken. It's been run over by superheroes, and there is no longer the human influence is diminished because superheroes now run stuff. And it's hurting the world. I'm not going to get any more today on what actually happens in the story because that's what we're going to, you know, we're going to tell this over time. But I want to circle back and talk about Alan Moore's mentality and why this was going to exist. I'm going to read words from Alan Moore now. Sean, before you read this, yeah, uh, do we all have our psychic blockers on to prevent mind <laughs> melting? Kale, did you put yours? Did you do it yours this morning? I've actually turned mine off. Oh, well, that makes sense. I really, I'm really looking for that right now. Cool. So good, sounds good. So, this is this is Alan Moore on crossovers. Mind you, the actual uh, document is very long. Uh, it, like I said, 39 pages, uh, and it actually starts in a funny way. Moore says, "I'm sure this is going to be an interminable ramble." as these things usually are. So, yeah, it is it is very much that. But I've parsed through it to find the things that are, are I think, most interesting and pertinent, and we'll go from there. Quote, Firstly, as I see the commercial side, the perfect mass crossover will be something like the following. It would have a sensible and logical reason for crossing over with other titles so that the readers who were prompted to try a new title as a result of the crossover or vice versa, didn't feel cheated by some tenuous linkage of storylines that was at best spurious and at worst non-existent. It would provide a strong and resonant springboard from which to launch a number of new series or with which to revitalize old ones again in a manner that was not obviously crassly exploitative so as to insult the reader's intelligence. With an eye to the merchandising that Marvel managed to spin out of Secret Wars, I think it's safe to assume that if we were... If it were possible to credibly spin role-playing games, toys, quote, waiting for Twilight, unquote, posters and and T-shirts and badges and all the rest of that stuff from the title, then that would be a good idea. Ideally, it might even be possible, while appealing to the diehard superhero junkie, to produce a central story idea simple, powerful, and resonant enough to bear translation to other media. I mean, I know that I'm still probably intoxicated by the Watchmen deal, but it never hurts to allow for these things as a possibility, does it? Man, I, lo- I love hearing Alan Moore, wow. the capitalist. <laughs> Not just Alan Moore, the capitalist. Alan Moore, the optimist. Mm-hmm. Th- at this point, Alan Moore is optimistic about his future with DC because Watchmen went so well. Yeah, This is 87. Yeah, Watchmen was... We don't know exactly what month, but if it was earlier than October, Watchmen wasn't even done. And it was a hit on release. It's not like it yeah. became a hit later. That so in uh, is... Dark Knight came out the same year, right? I think so. Yeah. It kind of similar time for what people thought comics were. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating to me to read the words of a man who we now know as, you know, bitter and jaded. 
being hopeful and optimistic about what could come next. I, I just I love that. Thought that was pretty cool. And it's just weird hearing him talk about like, oh, the marketing potential of these toys, and you know, I'm gonna yeah. we can do like a waiting for Twilight thing. It's 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 Alan Moore as Stan Lee, which is like mind boggling now, you know, with with the history that's been there. Well, I think also too, it's you know, it's him selling it, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. to you know to to the higher ups. And, and I'm know. sure, like Secret Wars, the original one did well, you know. Even the toys, like the toys are iconic, you know, it's Insane. not even just the comics. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, pitching this as a answer to that smart, smart move. Yeah. He went on to say, for one thing, crossovers require some very hard thinking about in advance if they're not going to generate more problems than they solve. And in thinking about something which will affect every book that the company publishes, if only in subtle ways, then one obviously has to be very careful. I shouldn't say that as yet, although I saw the outlines, I haven't read any of the Legend series or its crossovers, mainly by reason of not having got out to a comic shop recently. The premise, and pay close attention to this because this will sound familiar. The premise, if I understand it correctly, looked very good. It seemed to be attempting to give a sort of resonant mythic context to the DC pantheon while at the same time establishing a more rigorous social context for the assembled characters in terms of storytelling, thus drawing the whole DC continuity together into an interesting whole, which is exactly what it needs doing in the wake of the crisis. The more we can reinforce the idea of DC universe as magical and concept in itself, assuming that those are our aims, then the more successful we'll be in keeping readers hooked upon that universe and on the books that chronicle its various phenomena. So what is he saying? Let's break it down. There was a book called DC Legends, and it was a weird, like, event crossover that didn't actually cross over with any books. It left the crossover open-ended in the sense that the books that were that were being published in, in at the time and referenced by the Legends event didn't include any, like, major crossover stuff they were still doing their own thing but the legends book managed to reference that and it was a very different sort of idea it was a six issue uh event um and the crossovers were like batman at the time superman secret origins um and it's sort of the first crossover after uh after the crisis and it launched several books and things like that He's looking at this as a blueprint and a way to create a mythos and reestablish the mythic quality of these superheroes, which is what we were talking about earlier. Remember I was saying DC's heroes are more monolithic to themselves and Marvel is more of a universal monolith. The Marvel universe is the draw, whereas for DC it's the characters. Alan Moore is trying to change that, but he's also trying to establish and this you'll you'll understand this a little more. He's also trying to establish the DC characters as absolute and timeless. And it's very ambitious. And I can't wait to talk to you guys about how. So I was looking into this Legends thing. I, I guess that's what launched uh, Suicide Squad by Ostrander. Ostrander yes. wrote this. Ostrander yes. uh, written and John Byrne drawn Legends, which mm -hmm. that's a fucking team. Yeah, um, Dan Trudeau says it launched the new Justice League, the Suicide Squad, and the Wonder Woman reboot. 
and it was the first appearance of Amanda Waller. Yep. Oh, Wall. Exactly. I mean, the one thing that jumped out to me too, Sean, that you mentioned is him wanting to kind of make these characters myth, myth, almost mythological, but also retain the social aspect to it, that it, it's mm-hmm. social commentary on things, which just, that's Watchmen. That's Dr. Manhattan, you know, versus, you know, all the stuff that happens around Dr. Manhattan. Um, mm. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. And and the DNA of Alan, what Alan Moore thinks about superheroes and comics in general is all over this. It's all over this. And the other thing that I got out of this, especially from just reading the, the whole document, is that Alan Moore, maybe not the absolute biggest fan of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Too wordy for him. <laughs> I think I think based on what he says, uh, he he has problems with what it did to DC overall and and the universe. I'm gonna go on. Of course, this approach isn't without its problems. If you don't do it right, if your assembled multitude of characters look merely banal, which I personally believe happened with C, then your entire continuity is cheapened in the long term, along with its credibility. Whatever the short term benefits in terms of sales might be. When this happens, your only recourse is to greater acts of debasement in order to attract reader attention. More deaths to appease the arena crowd element in the fan marketplace, eventually degenerating into a geek show. (laughs) Crassness aside, is that not sort of what happened? Greater acts of debasement. (laughs) Dude dude is calling what is still happening now, even the way he describes crossovers. Right. Oh, yeah. And what they should be. Uh, is and what they are now is what they shouldn't be still, you know? Yeah. And I, when I was reading through this stuff, you know, I was tying it into what Dan Didio had said, sort of like we kept doing the same thing and we kept playing to the same audience. And in order to appease them, we had to keep doing more and more and more and more. Hmm. Like not more different stuff, more of the same stuff. And in my mind, more is outlining the dangers of that. So to continue, then there are the unintentional injuries in internal logic that can be unwittingly inflicted upon the mass continuity by such a venture. Whatever the individual merits of the creators or their efforts, purely by the vast organizational problems that a project of this size seems to encounter. To explain that, I should perhaps look at a series that I have read, that being Marv and George's Excellent Crisis on Infinite Earths. Although the motive was pure and the aim true with regard to Crisis, I can't help but feeling that somewhere along the line, in the attempt to consolidate and rationalize the DC cosmos, a situation even more potentially destabilizing and precarious was created. Hmm. What he's talking about is the way that the Crisis eliminated the the multiverse. Hmm. Alan Moore felt that that eliminated creativity and possibility, but he also Hmm. felt that it annihilated and to use his direct word uh it un it unpeopled the characters who were lost in the crisis Mm. it did something worse than killing them it removed them from the reality of the comics altogether oh like earth 2 and stuff like that yeah exactly True. Saw that yeah, as a they just don't. There's no. They don't exist anymore. They never had like a an ending. You know, their stories. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. It's, it feels a little dramatic, but I get it. Well, but it it uh you know 
even more than it takes away like an ending it um it takes away context exactly that's exactly he he said he talked so much about that i don't want to read every every word but, but yeah go ahead the the idea of, of the multiverse is, is ingrained in the in the in the framework of the dc universe you know like like you know that iconic flash cover you know with the the you know the two flashes running side by side like it's sure it's it's the identity you know oh boy not that's identity what, crisis, Dan. We're not talking about that yet. <laughs> that's what. That's exactly what DC is, and I think Alan was trying to parse out how to get back to that. Mm. Uh, so, moving forward, he said, "I believe that one of the things that the comic fan is looking for, multi-title crossover epics, is some sense of a sanely ordered cosmos." not offered to him or her by the news headlines or the arguments of their parents over breakfast. That isn't to say that it's healthy or necessarily desirable to fulfill this fundamentally escapist sort of urge. I myself would feel uncomfortable if the imaginary reality I was offering my readers was intended as a pacifier rather than as something to make them think about their own reality. I'd cite Watchmen as an example of how it's possible to fulfill the requirements of a continuity much more strict and rigidly defined than as usual while still making some sort of relevant point about the root that the recurrent that the book readers are living in. So, so even even back in the late eighties, that Alan Moore would have said "fuck you" to the people who said, uh, "I don't want you know politics in my comics. I just want escapism." Right. He yeah. believes that that's the death of story. Yeah. No, I agree. If, like, he's saying, "Hey, we can have our cake, but we gotta put some. We gotta put some nutrients in there. We gotta put some. You know, we gotta put the 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 vitamins in there that we need." It sounds like a disgusting cake. <laughs> It probably is. Well, it's it's a, more yeah, it's that same way of like you like, you know, whether you like it or not, like McDonald's is all sugar. But if you need a meal, you can eat it and it will fill you, you know? Right. Exactly. If you if you read nothing but comic books, you'll get something out of it. And more doesn't want to make more doesn't want to serve McDonald's. Right. More understands your need for McDonald's as uh, an unconscious lack of care for your life and a desire to escape and not address your life. More wants to force you to, to look at it and evaluate it. More wants you eating a Big Mac while watching Super Size Me. <laughs> well, good. he he wants, you know, he wants to make Red Robin the restaurant. Is that any better? Yum. And McDonald's? Right? I mean, marginally. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he says, attendant to this, there are a number of people in the industry who feel that it's time on the continuity and try to get rid of a lot of the rather annual and obsessive attitudes that have been allowed to dominate the marketplace and to some degree have hindered it in its periodic attempts to be taken seriously. And now we get into his reasoning for doing this. And what I believe is probably alongside Watchmen and crisis, the primary reason why Alan Moore wanted to make this comic. Here we go. I suppose a shining example of this would be Frank's dark Knight, 
which, while it doesn't seem bothered about fitting into any graven in stone continuity, does service to the legend of Batman and brilliantly redefines the character for an 80s audience, and nobody really seems to care how much this all fits into the continuity because it's such a bloody good story. Will Jason Todd really die? Will all the superheroes leave Earth to Superman and his government pals? Will Oliver Queen really get his arm burned off at the elbow in a fight with Clark and become an embittered urban terrorist? Who cares? He's saying that what the Dark Knight did for Batman was that it established a framework by which every creator who comes after Frank Miller can look at and say, okay, this is who Batman is. This is where Batman ends up. This is the end of the line. This is the myth of Batman. How do we reach that point? That's up to us. But this is the framework. And everybody knows it because this is the hottest thing in comics. So if you care about Batman comics in the 80s, you know this story. Mm -hmm. So when something happens in the current Batman that makes you think about that, you go, oh, wow, there's that connective tissue, but it doesn't disrupt it if you've never read that. Mm. You're not disrupted by a lack of having read The Dark Knight because you're letting the, the future inform the past, which is the exact opposite way that comics operate. But mm. it, it's also funny because it's also he's also saying here, too, that if it's a good story – the 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 what's around it doesn't matter because people are enjoying it for it being a good story in and of itself. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. This <laughs> so it's forward thinking and continuity as opposed to the, the previous past thinking. And, and stop me if I'm getting to where you're going, Sean, but this sounds a lot like future state. Okay. Hmm. You know, like they were planning, or not future state, but 5G. In a 5G, way. yes. Yeah. You know, planning the future and how we get there is the fun part. Uh, maybe in a much more condensed timeline, which might have been what, what the problem with, with it was. But and, 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 and drawing to a close the story of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. The human, the, 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 the human, the, the, the personal identity of those characters, not the myth of them, not the cape and cowl, not the thing that sells tickets, but the, the human part of those characters, which I can see the argument of, especially in context of what Alan Moore is talking about, because if I could use an example like Thor, Thor, is, and I'm talking about like the abstract Thor, not Marvel Thor. Thor is a character has existed in human history for a really, really, really long time. And to the point where lots of people have a different idea about the minutia of Thor. Maybe your Thor is the Marvel Thor, but maybe your Thor is God of War's Thor. Maybe your Thor is the more classic iteration of Thor. They're all Thor, and they all have the general hallmarks of what Thor is, but they're slightly different. The same way that Batman can be different to everybody, but there are still the core tenets of what makes a Batman story that doesn't necessarily require it to be Bruce Wayne or even the Bruce Wayne that you know. It only mm -hmm. requires it mm -hmm. to meet the qualifications of what Batman is, which we all know, and that the Dark Knight gave a clear foundation for. 
That is why Alan Moore's so obsessed with the Dark Knight. I'm, I'm trying to think of like modern, uh, uh, I guess, examples of this being done right. And the first thing that keeps jumping in my mind is uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow by Tom King. You know, Dan, even in the chat brings up, you know, Tom King owes a lot to this thinking. Um, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow is a very definitive, out of time Supergirl story. Mm. That, it, that its goal is to tell a good Supergirl story, context of what the comics are, be damned. Um, and it could exist anywhere, really. And, and honestly, and they're making a fucking movie out of it. So uh, right. it's doing something right there. I, I tend to. I think I've always sort of followed this logic to a degree i like to especially with like batman i like to sort of make my own timeline as things come along like you know uh at a certain point hush and batman fugitive and batman war games all happen in one bruce wayne lifetime but then at a certain point it stops you know, that version of Bruce Wayne is mine, but it's nobody else's. And it can keep going for other people. Right. Like you have your own headcanon, I guess. Yeah, headcanon, yeah. It's funny, when you bring it up, I don't think of DC in continuity, honestly. Like Marvel, I'm very strict on Marvel continuity in my mind. Like that is linear. Um, with DC, it's like, oh, these are stories in my head. I think I don't know if that's how I don't know if that's how DC has trained its audience to think, though. Fair. Mm. I think it could just be how I got into comics, too, with DC. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I got in. I got into Hush. I read Morrison's Batman. I was very cherry picky with getting into DC. So like that maybe dictates the puzzle in my head that is DC. Yeah. Uh, I also think Marvel works a lot harder to maintain their timeline. With yeah. the sliding time scale being almost atomic at this point, uh, Dan Trudeau points out in the in on Twitch that uh, uh, the universe is the foundation, not the characters. Right, exactly. the the myth of The myth of Marvel is the universe. The myth yeah. of DC is the characters. It's no surprise that Marvel does have to have a sliding scale because almost all of Marvel's characters' origins are rooted in a certain time. Yep. Whereas for DC, they're not. Superman's ship could have crash landed in any year. It doesn't even matter. That's why they can put it in Russia in uh, mm -hmm. Superman Red Sun. It doesn't matter where he landed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Batman's parents could die watching uh, Zorro or they could die watching uh, House Party. Matter what the movie was. <laughs> like, it, it, it doesn't I wanna, matter. I want to see that book. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, a Batman dies at a, at a screening of Friday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Shrek. Hey, now. <laughs> You're an all-star. I wanted to go over at least one more quote from Alan Moore because I think it underscores what we're talking about right now. And I love it so much because we forget that these people are geniuses. We forget that these people are magicians. And we forget how much they understand this stuff that we consume so readily and easily. So Moore said the following. And again... This is how we understand his mentality. Quote, as I mentioned in, in my introduction to Frank's Dark Knight, one of the things that prevents superhero stories from ever attaining the status of true modern myths of legends is that they are open-ended. 
An essential quality of a legend is that the events in it are clearly defined in time. Robin Hood is driven to become an outlaw by the injustices of King John and his minions. That is his origin. He meets Little John, Friar Tuck, and all the rest and forms the Merry Men. He wins a tournament in disguise. He falls in love with Maid Marion and thwarts the Sheriff of Nottingham. That is his career, including his love interest, major villains, and the formation of a superhero group that he is a part of. He lives to see the return of good King Richard and is finally killed by a woman, firing the last arrow to mark the place where she where he shall be buried. That is his resolution. You can apply the same paradigm to King Arthur, Davy Crockett, or Sherlock Holmes with equal success. You cannot apply it to most comic book characters because in order to meet the commercial demands of continuing series, they can never have a resolution. Indeed, they find it difficult to embrace any of the changes in life that the passage of time brings about for these very same reasons, making them finally less than fully human, as well as falling far short of the true myth. Hmm. Pause. Where are we at with Spider-Man comics today? (laughs) Uh, Mary Jane is just his friend now. Uh, Worse, his sister. Spider-Man is stuck. We've seen it all. Yep. What what happened between Spider-Man's origin and now that informs his end? But you know where he We don't know because he doesn't have an end. Ultimates did. We don't did. know the ending. Ultimates did. And then Miles came about and it worked. You know? Like, yeah. So yeah, this what- is wild. This is what exactly what I've been saying since day one of our podcast. And I've never been able to put my finger on why. And this is exactly it. I think now your beard's going to start growing even faster now, Kel, because of this. Yeah. The, the, gonna, the mental link has been to, established. You're I'm closest to, to him, too. So you're, the, I'm gonna the side effects to are going to be greater. Invest um, in hair ties. I. So what, what it sounds like he's, he's advocating for is Elseworlds. Elseworlds as the proper way of telling a story in a way, right? Even just evolution. Sure. Yeah. I I guess my interpretation is he's trying to provide a framework for how at least DC can have their cake and eat it too. How DC can provide the Dark Knight Returns of basically how the whole entire DC universe can get the Dark Knight Returns treatment. That is exactly what Twilight of the Gods is. And as we get deeper into this proposal over the coming weeks, you're going to understand exactly how I mean that. I'm not even saying that the proposal's good. I actually don't think DC would have ever published it. But I think that it's fascinating despite that because it could have been reworked and it could have been made into something that would have been palatable for DC. The, The ask on Alan Moore's part, is tremendous. Absolutely gargantuan. I shudder to even give you a hint, but I will give you one because I need you to understand how different this is. There is a storyline here, a piece of this proposal that is not very different from something that Jeff Loeb did in Ultimates 3 that involves Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch that everybody knows about. Incest. He goes far. <laughs> he goes far. Oh. Yeah. It's a heavy book. It's a dark book. It's Alan Moore 
pulling no punches. I, I I'm saying book. It's a proposal. The book never actually got released. Um, but I got, a, I got a question. Yeah, with the proposal, does DC still have the rights of the proposal, and can they make this book? Man, oh man, there is so much to talk about. Okay, all right. That's a huge part of. It. Remember, I said this proposal was a battleground for Alan Moore and DC after eighty nine, after he left. Because this this story is so much bigger than you realize. This could have been Watchmen 2. Oh, Electric Boogaloo. Um, This makes me really want, and it's antithetical to Alan Moore, but like an Alan Moore biopic, you know? Sure. Just a a creative man dribbing into being a jaded mess because of big, big business in a way. Mm-hmm. There's, so there's, was, my, there's my screenplay I get to write here we go get started Dan says that's not what the Dark Knight was it wasn't an ending in the future it's an end to an older version of the character okay so let's say that the language that we're using isn't appropriate I'll reframe it well he was yeah, actually I, responding directly to C.W. Gordon who said it sounds awfully like Zack Snyder's DC but he, had, yeah. I thought Dan had made that that comment earlier. That uh, he did, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. It's uh, it's an ending for the Silver Age Batman set in the eighties, right? Yeah. Let's put ourselves in the eighties, okay? Because this is being... right here. Wait, wait. <laughs> this is this is from the eighties. So you know, let's let's get rid of our twenty twenty three brains for a moment. A story that shows Batman in the future. Or Batman's ending, an older, grizzled Bruce Wayne, an older Superman, all these characters being aged, would be perceived by someone at that time as a future story for Batman. That's the perception. Reality or otherwise is really not relevant. What Alan Moore is trying to get at is that this is a definitive close for the Batman character. That's what he's trying to get at. And that it establishes a baseline from which future creators can work backwards from. Not that you even have to acknowledge it in any way. You shouldn't necessarily tease it out. But if you're lost, if you're like, well, what are the core tenets of Batman? Or what are the core tenets of this one and that one? Where do they go so that I know where they are, where they need to be? This is the point of reference. Like in case of emergency, uh, introduce the mutants. <laughs> so that that's that's kind of the idea, and being able to um, being able to apply that across the board for all of DC, which sounds like an impossible deal. Yeah, but I'll tell you this: regardless of what you think about what we're going to talk about in the future, regarding how this shakes out. I think Alan Moore's plan was extremely ambitious and interesting, and it might have worked. It might have worked. I don't think DC would have allowed it to be published this way, but if they did, it might have worked. It's possible. Mm-hmm. So I think I think this is a good place to, to say pause on this story. Um it's fascinating. I'm I'm I can't wait to to dive in further. In the coming weeks, we will be reading more. 
uh, from Alan's own words and parsing it out and, you know, um, giving you guys our take on what this could have been. Let us know what you guys think. What do you think about Twilight of the Superheroes so far? What do you think about our coverage of it? Is this something that you're into? I, I will say, uh, event name, I, I, that could have been punched up. I guess. I think I think it, it has a, uh, like, it. when you hear it, it sounds familiar already. I guess I think so. it's yeah, always yeah, because thing. of where I am in time. Fair. Okay. And Twilight of the Gods is a real thing that he was playing off of. And when you understand, when you like hear what the Twilight of the Superhero story was, it's definitely, definitely, definitely the Ragnarok of DC Comics. Like, oh, it had, had, had quippy dialogue and, and, and Mark Ruffalo? Not that Ragnarok. Oh, okay. All right, got it. Ugh. Not that one. Not that one. So, yeah. Let us know your thoughts about this coverage. Do you want to hear more about the Twilight? the superheroes i love doing stuff like this i get a lot out of a lot of joy out of you know trying to piece up together all this different kind of stuff so let us know what you think about it uh, i want to hear about it so we'll be doing it next week <laughs> yeah. man if kale's excited for an episode <laughs> i know right that's that's always Sean, encouraging sean's been fucking killing it the oh, 5g shit. files the what do we do last week then the dan didio the dan didio thing fucking Come on. Thanks. I appreciate that, dude. We appreciate you for listening. Don't forget that Jeff Johns is returning on April 1st. It's not a joke. It's not an April Fool's joke. You will not show up here on April 1st and see Tyler doing his best Jeff Johns. That's oh, not going now. You might now. <laughs> no, you won't. Because <laughs> if you do, that might anger our guest. The real and also, and also, we might not have a Tyler after that. So Right. Yeah. That might be the end of things. Uh, so show up for that, of course, April 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, if you would like to take part in our Jeff Johns Geiger giveaway, those are very simple. Uh, just be a subscriber on YouTube and a follower on Twitch. Patrons get plus two entries by simply by being patrons. Submit your question for Jeff anywhere you can. We prefer it through Gmail or rather through email. Email us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Uh, it's contact at thecomicspals.com now. Either work, and I never checked that other one. Uh, it, it forwards. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. DMs are okay. All that stuff's okay. Discord messages are okay. We'll see them. You just have to make sure you're a, a subscriber and a follower, YouTube and Twitch. Um, and we'll ask Jeff Johns questions. We'll randomize everybody's names that are, that are entered and the winner will get a brand spanking new copy of Geiger. So that's well, what we'll be doing. One thing too, if you're emailing us, uh, let us know your handle places because your email might not necessarily be your handle. It just helps us keep track of who's who. Big time. Yeah. Big time. That's, that's, that's probably going to be the hardest part of all this, <laughs> <Yeah>. quite frankly. <laughs> so help us out as much as you can with that. Um, Patreon.com slash the comics pals for as little as $3 a month. You can help us out and you get access to some pretty cool content. Book club voting. Strange Adventures is out on Tuesday, the 7th. You get a shout out on the show. As you heard earlier, you get our newsletter. You get so much for so little. And uh, we appreciate everybody who decides to make that choice. Twitch and YouTube live every Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern for this very show. 
6 p.m. Eastern Thursdays for Palace Polls. If you want to have a say in what we read on Palace Polls, vote in the Twitter listener poll, which will be up after this show. There will be four choices for you to choose from. If you want to influence what the choices are, leave us a comment with a book you are looking forward to. And if we like it, we'll add it to the poll. Join our Discord server with us. Continue the conversations that start on this podcast for everything else at the Comics Pals all over social media. Hit up our store. Hit up our store. The Streamlabs store. There's a link to it in the description. There's a link to it in the chat right now. So put hit it, it, hit it up. Bios as well going forward. If you buy anything, let us know. Show it off. Send us a picture Ooh, yeah. of you with the, with the mug or the shirt or whatever you get. We'd love to see it. And if you buy it while we're live, there's a little alert that plays. So yes. people can see what you bought if you if you choose to let that happen. Absolutely. Right. That is totally, totally, totally up to you. There is no cost requirement for being a part of this party. Just not being a douche. Plugs. Kale, you're up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Tow. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at KaleWard.com. That's C A L E W A R D.com. Um, on Instagram, you can see me and Marco. Marco came to Liverpool this weekend and we went to the, the History of Music Museum in Liverpool. And you can see a skanking. And uh, if you uh, want a preview of what my backflip is going to look like, <laughs> there it is. I should mention, I haven't done a great job about this, but we are actually less than 40 subscribers away on YouTube from 1,000. Kale will have to do a backflip. Yeah. Kale's counting that number down. It's actually 37 now, Kale. Oh, so, fuck. Yeah, It's getting closer. So once we hit 1,000 subs on YouTube, guys, uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Trust and believe that. So I'm, I'm really hoping we get there before Jeff Johns joins the That'd show. Cool. So let's make that happen. Tyler, plugs. Uh, you could follow me at the Tyler Olson on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm doing action figure reviews Orb coming out Monday. I also recorded ones for uh, Wonder Man and The Blob. So uh, those just need to be edited and put out. Sick. Yeah. I'll do the Dark As Phoenix one eventually. I just keep forgetting to do that one. Oh, why, how, how is that the one you're forgetting? Because it's in the nice packaging, and I don't really want to take it out. But you know, that's 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 fair. Is that possible to get anymore? Yeah, it's on it's on Amazon still. They're 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 like it's actually discounted on Amazon now. So screw me, I guess. I'll send you. Like I need. Some. I got you. I, I need a <laughs> companion for this one. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very jarable. Wait, why would I put my? Don't look it up. Oh. Don't look up Rainbow Dash Jar. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, as for me, Instagram at Sean Soapbox. I am very excited for tomorrow's AEW pay per view. Oh, that should be a lot of fun. You're the only one, apparently. Uh, I'm excited to watch it. I don't actually think the card is that good, but I love. I nothing is more exciting to me than pay per views in wrestling. That that tag team for, fiddle four. It's like whoa. What? Whose 2K game went too far, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of missing FTR. But um, yeah, I'm excited for that. Excited for The Last of Us. Excited for Jeff Johns. Excited for the Comics Pals. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, you're the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week.